Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob Port here on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Natil, how's Thursday treating you? Like a Thursday. Like a Thursday. Like a Thursday. It's like a Friday, but not as good. Yeah, kind of. It'll be it'll be a great day, all things considered. It's nice and cool, and I like yeah. the cool weather. It's nice. <laughs> I like fall weather. I, I mean, I, I mean... Spring is nice, but it's all melty and wet and dirty and everything. Summer's a little too warm. Fall to me is just perfect. I, I don't know. I love the fall. Not that we're in the fall yet. It's early August. Let's it not sure, it sure feels fallish out it, there It feels today, a little bit. It does. It feels a little cool. I wore a sweatshirt out today. So, you know. All right. Uh, we have uh, the North Dakota Republican Party sent out a press release earlier this week. Uh, they have a new campaign. Uh, they're calling it Heidi's Hiding, referring obviously to Senator Heidi Heitkamp, the only Democrat to win a statewide election in North Dakota since 2008, I believe. Uh, Chairman of the North Dakota Republican Party, Kelly Armstrong, they join me a little bit later in the program, talk about what all this is this is about. Essentially, they're saying that Senator Heitkamp is uh, she she's playing at being bipartisan. She's playing at being centrist, but in reality is sort of voting for the rest of the Democrats, which, you know, in North Dakota, Democrats don't win a lot of elections. So I don't know. We'll talk with uh, we'll talk with Kelly Armstrong. He's also obviously a state senator from Dickinson. Uh, we'll talk about with uh, him about that a little bit later in the program. Um, but something I want to tackle today, Natil, obviously we had, you know, the incident in the Walmart parking lot. And then there was the rally last night as a result of that and 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 the thing that that's on a lot of the, the the lips of a lot of people right now or on their fingertips as they type away in facebook and twitter and everything else is hate crime right hate crime legislation north dakota is one of the few states in the nation that does not have hate crime legislation and so the push now using that incident in the walmart parking lot among other among others uh is to push for hate crime legislation in north dakota and so my question for the audience is, do you think this is a good idea? Would you support hate crime legislation in North Dakota? Do you think it would make a difference? Good idea, bad idea. I want to hear from you. 701-293-9000, email, talk at WDAY.com. Um, Natil, this probably isn't going to come as a big shock to you. I, I, don't think, I don't think we should pass it. I don't think we need it. I think you've uh, mentioned that those were your feelings in, in previous shows. Yeah. So, and here's the thing: I would be for hate crime legislation if it was if it, if it was limited to tracking, right? Because I do think that gathering data is important. I think that if we could go through and make sure we're quantifying, make sure we're understanding crimes that are clearly you know motivated by some sort of racial animus or uh, animus based on on sexual orientation. Uh, hatred, basically. I mean, if we, if we wanted to put in some place like that and say, listen, we're, we're going to gather metrics, we're going to make sure this information is available, and we may already be doing this, because I think the FBI does it, so maybe we're already doing this. I don't know. Um, but if we want to do legislation along those lines and gather information and understand and measure, then fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. I am not okay with passing legislation that is going to create like some additional tier of punishment for a quote-unquote hate crime. And here's why. Uh, for one thing, I, I think I think essentially what you're doing is you're recriminalizing something that is already criminal. So if I throw a rock through your window, that's, you know, vandalism or, or whatever, whatever the charge is. I don't know that it matters that much why I was motivated by it. I mean, if, if I just, 
if I just hate you specifically or if I hate you because of your race or your sexual orientation or your religion or whatever, I, I, I mean, does it matter? I still threw a rock through a window. That's still a crime. And I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that, that, that I want to say, well, oh, if, if, you know, based on the motivation, you are guilty of a more severe type of crime. I, I don't, I don't like that to begin with. I think a lot of the definitions of what is and isn't a hate crime can, can sort of trend into political areas. And honestly, I think law enforcement in this country, I think, I think the criminal code is already too politicized. If anything, we need to be going the other direction. So I'm not sure that that's helpful. But the other thing I, I want to sort of attack here is is the idea, the efficacy of hate crime policy. So if we just take all the politics out of it, all the philosophy out of it, and just look at what hate crime legislation in and of itself is supposed to accomplish, is it good workable policy? Does it accomplish the goals that it sets out to go? Because hate crime legislation is intended to deter hate crimes, right? So... You pass hate crime legislation, there are stiffer penalties for crimes motivated by racial animus or whatever it is. And so supposedly people are going to be less likely, I guess, to commit those crimes because there's a stiffer, stiffer penalty for them. And if you buy into that, then I guess then we should all support the death penalty as well. Now, I'm guessing that a lot of people are out in the streets marching and, and typing on Facebook and everything else saying that they want to they support hate crime legislation, they want to see North Dakota implement hate crime legislation, how is that any different than saying that, that the death penalty deters? I, I'm guessing a lot of them are opposed to the death penalty. I'm opposed to the death penalty. So the big argument for the death penalty is that it de- deters crime, except that it doesn't. The death penalty doesn't deter hate that, you know, the sort of heinous crimes that it can be attached to. It doesn't. It never has. There is no line that you can draw between an implementation of the death penalty and lower crime rates for the types of crimes that the death penalty is associated with. There is no cause and effect relationship. It doesn't deter crime. And the same is also true because we have years and years of data from most of the states in the United States that have implemented hate crime legislation. We have all this data. And you know what we also cannot find? is a direct line correlation between the implementation of hate crime legislation and fewer hate crimes. There is no proof of the efficacy of of, of hate crime legislation. There is no proof at all that it lowers the number of these sorts of crimes that are committed. Now, maybe there's people out there who are going to debate me on that point. I spent a lot of time looking for it. I can't find the study. I can't find the data. I can't find the information, the article, whatever it is, that proves that hate crime legislation works. So if we stipulate to that for a moment, and we say that hate crime legislation does not deter hate crimes, then what is the point? What are we doing if we pass hate crime legislation and we don't reduce the number of hate crimes? We don't deter hate crimes. What are we accomplishing? If you pass, I mean, at that point, I think all we're doing is just making ourselves feel good. Look at how against hate we are. We passed this law. We passed anti-hate crime legislation. We made hate crime illegal. Okay, great. Well, did we lower, did we did we make people safer? Did we lower the number of crimes committed? What did we accomplish? Well, nothing. Nothing really. We didn't really change outcomes in the criminal justice system. Other than we're going to put more people in jail, more on that in a moment. 
But if we don't change the outcomes, then all we're doing is virtue signaling. And if all we're doing is virtue signaling, well, that's a pretty poor justification for public policy in my mind. If, if all we're doing is we're passing it so that we can say we're against hate, right? I mean, you may as well be passing a bill to make crime illegal, right? I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. Like, I, I think crime should be illegal. Well, of course, it's crime. And you know what? Hate crimes are already illegal. You are criminalizing something that is already criminal. So that's that's my rant against hate crime legislation. Uh, love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. this is the Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 AM and 93.1 FM. Talking about hate crime legislation. Are you for it or against it? It's on the lips of a lot of people in North Dakota right now. There's a push for it after that incident made national headlines uh, in the Walmart parking lot. You had a white woman screaming death threats at three Somali women. Now, they made up later on, and that was great. That was a nice moment. And honestly, I think that's the preferred outcome from these situations. I mean, the woman lost her temper. She said things she regrets. Um, you know, maybe we should move on. But no, political opportunists, well, they see an opportunity. And they've parachuted in because they saw the bat signal of opportunity, and now they're pushing for hate crime legislation. And I'm just wondering, what's what's the point? What are we really going to accomplish? I mean, is, is, it, is it just about virtue signaling? Is it just about saying that North Dakota has hate crime legislation? Because if the hate crime legislation doesn't make people safer, if it doesn't reduce the number of these sorts of crimes, and I, there's no evidence anywhere from all the states, dozens and dozens of states that have implemented it across the nation for years and years, there's no direct line between those two situations where you pass the legislation and you reduce the crimes. So there is no deterrent effect, at least not one that's discernible. So at what point, what are we accomplishing? That's my question for you. What's the point of doing it? Other than, I guess, just to, to give, you know, a certain flavor of political activist a, a victory. The other question I have for you, I would also compare hate crime legislation to our approach to the war on drugs, right? Because our approach to the war on drugs is to put people in jail, right? Like you get caught using drugs. If you're a drug user, our attitude in years past has been lock them up, put them in jail. And the side effect of that has been to create a situation where we have people trying to get deal with their addiction problems in jail. Now, North Dakota, along with other states, has been moving towards more emphasis on, on treatment. And, and I think we're just at the beginning of that movement. You know, we, we had the, the head of the Department of Corrections, Leanne Birch, on this program talking about some of the new, uh, you know, some of the new approaches to that. And... it's a very healthy path to take. I think we still have a lot to learn. We still have a lot to implement, but we're moving in that direction. We're moving away from put all the drug users in jail to maybe the best thing for a drug user isn't jail so much as like rehab or addiction counseling or or what have you. I mean, there's, there's other ways to do it than just stick them in a jail cell. So with hate crimes, are you going to teach people not to hate by sticking them in a jail cell? I mean, that's the place. 
where they're going to learn not to hate. That's the place where they're going to let go of whatever whatever animus they're holding towards, you know, blacks or Hispanics or or homosexuals or or, or whatever their particular flavor of bigotry is. They're going to let go of that in prison. We're going to put them in prison longer, and that's going to solve the problem. If we really want to address racial harmony in our society, in North Dakota, in Fargo, in across the nation, wherever, I don't think that solution is going to come from jail. I don't think it's going to happen in jail. I don't think a throw-the-book-at-them approach is going to help the situation any more than the throw-the-book-at-them approach helped with the war on drugs. It's just not going to work. We're not going to reduce the problems. We're not going to eliminate the problems. We're going to create more problems. If, if we are going to, if our goal is is comedy, if, if, if our goal is community and treating one another nicely, I, I think that those solutions have to start in the home. I think they have to start in our schools, in our civic organizations, in our churches. That's where it's got to happen. We have to choose to let go of the hate. We have to choose to stand united against bigotry. Right? You know where it starts? Somebody you know tells a racist joke? Call them on it. That's where it starts. If we get to a point where somebody has beat somebody up because of their skin color, or stolen from them because of their skin color, or threatened them because of their skin color, or sexual orientation, or religion, or whatever, it's already too late. At that point, we have already failed. And putting them in jail longer is not going to fix that problem. We have get, got to get people to stop hating before they commit a hate crime. If we're dealing with it after the fact, it's too late. Putting them in jail longer is only going to create other side effects and make the situation worse. Natil, critique me. Am I making sense? You are. Um, I understand where a lot of the people that are advocating for hate crime legislation are coming from because there is something that feels more heinous about a hate crime because you I mean, crime in general is is awful. Don't don't get me wrong. Sure. But for the people in these more marginalized groups, when someone commits a crime against another person in that marginalized group only because they are part of that group. It feels more heinous. So I understand where they're coming from. But what you're saying absolutely makes sense. Punishing someone harder for committing such a crime isn't going to deter them from doing it again in the future. And yeah, any, any more than the death penalty deters murderers. It doesn't really. I mean, it, it doesn't. It, it just, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if that's what, if we're going to say hate, the efficacy of hate crime policies works, then I guess we have to adopt the death penalty too. I don't think either works. I think the solution's got to lay along another path. Anyway, we're going to move on. Kelly Armstrong, chairman of the North Dakota Republican Party, joins me next. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. 
is your local number. 888-970-9329 is a toll-free number. Email talk at WDY.com. Heidi's hiding. That's the subject line of a new press release from the North Dakota Republican Party. It reads, I quote, North Dakota Republican Party Chairman Kelly Armstrong today announced the beginning of a campaign called Heidi's Hiding to expose Heidi Heitkamp's voting record in the U.S. Senate. When it comes to campaign season, she preaches about bipartisanship, but the problem is that's a fraud, said Armstrong. Senator Heitkamp has routinely voted against the principles and values of North Dakotans with a potential re-election campaign looming in 2018. The North Dakota GOP believes that the truth needs to be told about Senator Heitkamp's repeated abandonment of traditional North Dakota values, such as free market economics, sanctity of life, limited government, and opposition to Obamacare. Heitkamp has proven adept at hiding from the voters of North Dakota and hiding her voting record from the public. I have State Senator Kelly Armstrong, who's also the chairman of the North Dakota Republican Party, on with me now. Kelly, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Rob? Doing pretty good. How's Senator Heitkamp hiding? Well, Senator Heitkamp obviously says a lot of different things when she's in D.C. than she does when she's back in North Dakota. And she controls her message using uh, Washington, D.C. super PAC money and tightly controlled social media campaigns, but very rarely does any serious town halls. When she does have a public schedule, it gets introduced, it gets released to the media at the last minute, and almost always it's, it's, it contains a small small number of uh, vocal supporters of her of her campaign so you're saying essentially she she pretty closely controls her media exposure absolutely and i mean well that but i mean that's the political part of it the policy part of it is that she uh, i mean she votes lockstep with uh, obama's liberal agenda and with chuck schumer and comes back and tries to claim that she's a moderate well, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what about people who point out that this is a person who was Trump apparently considered pretty closely to, to be in his cabinet? Uh, you know, I, I think she probably touts that pretty hard as, as you know, ex, an example of her moderate bona fides. What do you say to that? Well, I'd say, I mean, coming up on an election cycle, I would. she's going to tout a lot of her moderate bona fides because we're a red state. And even in the last election cycle, Democrats did um, very poorly in North Dakota. And quite frankly, she's basically what they have left to keep a foothold in North Dakota as a party. Um, and with Trump having a 59% approval rating, she's going to be in an interesting situation where she tries to, if she tries to align herself with the president. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Now, now, she has been very, very busy at the beginning of this election cycle. She's, you know, sort of publicly saying, I don't know, maybe maybe this is another one for your campaign about hiding, hiding because she's out there sort of saying, well, you know, I'm not real sure if I'm going to run or not. I'm not focused on that. I'm just trying to do the job. She's doing that song and dance. Meanwhile, she's raising a ton of money. And most of it's coming from out of state. It's pretty clear you don't go out and raise that kind of money unless you're intending to run again. Are Republicans going to be ready to take on that war chest? Absolutely. I mean, we can't. I mean, we obviously right now the North Dakota Republican Party can't compete without a state PAC money. But what we can do is get the message out. I mean, 
Her votes on the Iran deal in 2015 are a big deal. Uh, Votes on the methane emission rules are a huge deal to the North Dakota energy industry. The votes on Obamacare, I mean, Obamacare is a disaster for North Dakota. Just yesterday in the uh, Washington, or in the Wall Street Journal, it said that our premiums are going to go up by another 20% in 2018. So these questions need to be answered, and these are the questions that she's going to answer. And uh, no matter how much money she has, she's still going to have to face the voters and and answer questions as to why she's supporting these these types of policy maneuvers that are just simply bad for the state and bad for the country. Now, in your press release you said that you sent out, it says, I quote, the first example of how Heidi's hiding is her support of Obamacare. North Dakotans overwhelmingly support President Trump and his desire to repeal and replace Obamacare with a health care plan that returns choice and affordability to North Dakotans. Yet, Heitkamp voted three times last week alone to keep the disastrous health care law intact, while health experts nationwide agree that this plan is not sustainable. Now, I just saw Senator Heitkamp on CNN not that long ago, and what she's essentially saying is, uh, you know, Republicans don't really have a plan to replace it. They just want to repeal it. She's saying, let's go through and, and, and fix it. And she's acknowledging that there are premium increases. There are things going up. So she's sort of saying, you know, yeah, Obamacare needs to be fixed. But you're saying, you know, she's basically voting to keep it. How, I mean, bridge that gap for us. Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, she's been in office for six years. Obamacare was forced in on straight party line Democratic votes. There's been six years to start dealing with many of the specific things. I mean, the questions need to be, are you in favor of the medical device tax? Are you in favor of allowing people to purchase insurance across state lines? Are you in favor of health service accounts? And more importantly, if you really truly are in favor of bipartisanship, are you going to walk into Chuck Schumer's office and let any of these things? I mean, are you going to be allowed by the Democratic leadership to be, even have a re- realistic discussion about any of these things? You know, we all wait for a time of when bipartisanship existed in the Senate and all of those things. But the reality is right now, if your first vote is going to be for Senator Chuck Schumer as majority leader, I don't really care what your second vote is. We have uh, we have that that close uh, that that vote on 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 repealing Obamacare was was close. Um, you know, if, if one vote had gone the other way, uh, you know, we, we could have seen a tie. At which case, it would have been settled by Vice President Pence. In which case, that bill gets out of the Senate. I saw an article where it said, you know, essentially, if, if Heidi Heitkamp had been appointed to the Trump administration, we would probably have a Republican senator in North Dakota right now, uh, and that that Republican senator probably would have voted. To repeal Obamacare. So, I mean, in some ways, I mean, Heidi Heitkamp can be said she kept it in place. She she kept Obamacare right where it's at without any changes, at least for the time being. Yeah, I mean, when, whenever you have one vote, I mean, I think those are questions that are being asked all across the, all across the country, depending on what side of the aisle um, this, any particular senator in any particular state is. I can't control what happens in Arizona. I can't control what happens in Maine. I can't. I mean, I can't control what happens in New Mexico. What we can do is control what happens and hold our elected officials in North Dakota accountable for the votes they take. How are you feeling about the crop of cap? Because it's one thing to talk about Heidi Heitkamp and and you know criticize her and 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 take her to task for her votes. So that's that's fine. That's all fair game. Uh, but I mean. There's also you also got to give voters some someone to vote for. How is that going in terms of recruiting candidates? And we know State Senator Tom Campbell, he seems to be all in. You know, we've heard that uh, Kathy Nessett, who's a member of the State Board of Higher Education, also an oil field consultant, oil industry consultant, uh, that, that she's considering a run. Uh, Congressman Kramer considering a run. Representative Rick Becker considering a run. Um, how, how are you feeling about this crop of candidates? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the 2018 election cycle. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a robust group. And, you know, I, this being chairman of the party, the one thing that's always helped me out with that is, our, you know, former life as a trial lawyer is that I mean, my job is to advocate for whoever comes out of there. But more importantly, my job is to advocate for our rank and file members right now. You know, typically in these types of deals, we wouldn't even roll this kind of stuff out until after Labor Day. I mean, it is, it is August of 2017. We're well yeah. over a year away from the election. It's right. just with the health care vote being so front and center and all the things are going on, we just felt now was the time to do it. But I, we, we will have a qualified is, candidate and we will be ready to beat Senator Heitkamp. And Senator Heitkamp's already campaigning. I mean, she's fundraising. Uh, we have we have, uh, you know, PAC groups that are running ads for her on, on television. I, she's in campaign mode. She's campaigning already. Whatever she may be saying publicly, she's campaigning. Absolutely, and I mean, and we're—I mean, when we're a pretty streamlined op- operation at the NDGOP, our our donors and our members like giving to candidates, and we're and we're comfortable with that. And there's ways we can—I de- mean, there's ways we can deal with this through social media, radio interviews. But it's just—it's my job to make sure people understand what we believe are the important issues. And I mean, and North Dakota is a red state, and it's gotten redder in the last six years. And she's going to have to account for the votes that don't support the North Dakota values. Speaking of which, I mean, because North Dakota has gotten redder, and, and certainly in this last election, I mean, the Democrats took a shellacking, um, I, I, I think was even unexpected. I did not expect them to lose so many seats in the legislature. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting them to pick up any statewide seats, but even just what happened in the legislature was was remarkable. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't expect it. Can Republicans hold on to that majority, though? Because I think it gets tough when, when the party controls so much – I think a lot of people out there saying, well, maybe the pendulum swung too far one way. And, and we certainly hear Democrats saying that, you know, so, sort of almost making like an affirmative action uh, argument for electing Democrats just to have more Democrats in office. But I guess my question for you is, is can Republicans hold this together for another cycle? Well, I, I would just say that's the argument they've made over both the last two election cycles, and it has never worked. Balance for the sake of balance does not make any sense. But the reality is, is when you hold the offices that we have, we want one more. We want Senator Heitkamp's seat. I mean, we want one more. I mean, we, have, we hold all the statewide and two of the three federal offices, and we're going for one more. But trying to define what a victory is when you have supermajorities, um, you know, that isn't really our job. Our job is to get the ground game support and to get out the vote support and, and provide our candidates with the resources they have to run their own campaigns and go try and get elected. But, yes, we're going to maintain supermajorities in both the House and the Senate, and we are going to work very hard to not only not only maintain our statewide seats but pick up the one federal seat we don't have yet. Can I get you to take your uh, your party chairman hat off and put your legislator hat on for just a moment? Sure. We have uh, we obviously are starting a, a debate about hate crime legislation. There was an inc- I'm sure you heard about it incident in Fargo, uh, certainly made national headlines. There are calls for North Dakota to implement hate crime legislation. How receptive is that going to be in a Republican? What, what will almost certainly still be a Republican legislature after the next election? Yeah, you know, you get you get even a little more than my legislative hat. I mean, I've been a criminal defense attorney. I understand the criminal code probably as well as anybody in Bismarck. And my contention with any of those types of crimes is all violent crimes are hate crimes. <laughs> all violent crimes are hate crimes. When you when you inflict violence on another person with the intent of harming them, that is a hate crime. And I don't, I don't carving out special categories by default triggers an argument that the, that crime that that crime committed on somebody else is less severe you know we did, we have a hard time even enhancing cr- criminal penalties right now for any special group of people um, for i mean whether it's law enforcement or e- EMTs and stuff cr- 
Crime is based on the conduct you commit and the victim, not who the victim is. And when you start going down that road, you run into a real risk of bifurcating your criminal code and treating people unequally. And that's not a good place to be. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Kelly, thanks for your time. You bet. Thanks, Rob. That's uh, State Senator Kelly Armstrong, also chairman of the North Dakota Republican Party. We'll wrap up the show right after this. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Come on, baby, take it easy. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. If you want to get in on the last few minutes, 701 293 9000, 888 970 9329. Email talk at Jay Thomas show straight ahead. Stay tuned for that. Dan emails talking about our, our subject earlier in the program, hate crime legislation in North Dakota. Dan emails, Rob, hate crime is a crime. What does it matter if you killed someone for the color of their skin or another reason? Dead is dead. When the government starts prosecuting your thoughts, we are in trouble. And I, I do I do think the teal that that is something very something very problematic about hate crime legislation is is you have to, to, to like drill down and and try to discern why did the person commit this crime and a lot of times the reason why somebody commits a crime is very complex it's not necessarily black and white and so i i, I don't know i mean i i'm, I'm just not it, it just adds another layer where, where now we're asking you know government officials to, to step in and try to like read the mind of the person who committed the crime and try to discern what their motivations were. That seems hugely problematic to me. Maybe it's not always, maybe it's not always difficult. I mean, I guess if you have like Facebook messages saying, I'm going to go kill this guy because he's black or something like that. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know. It just seems problematic. Uh, let's see. Dan emails, uh, Rob, it's, it's Trump care now. And if the rates go up 20 to 30%, it's on the Republicans. It is irresponsible of the right to even think having seven years to fix and they failed isn't on them. So um, that's uh, that's Dan Jacobs. You know, the, or uh, Dan, that's Dan. Uh, so the problem, Dan, is Republicans haven't had seven years. I, I mean, President Trump hasn't been in office for even a year. We had remember we had President Barack Obama in office who vetoed their efforts to repeal now uh, some of this is on republicans i mean they campaigned on repeal and replace for a long time then they get in office they have the senate they have the house they have the white house so why can't they repeal and replace at this point and i mean some of it's the filibuster trying to get something through the senate um you know and that's that's always the obstacle because even if you have a majority in the senate you can't necessarily just move things through uh, and there is disagreement even among Republicans who aren't necessarily in lockstep in what reforming Obamacare looks like or changing it or replacing it or, or what have you. So I don't know. That, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not against blaming Republicans for some of this mess. But on the other side, the policy that's in place right now was constructed by Democrats. This is what Democrats passed. What, what we are living under right now is what President Obama Pushed through Congress, what Democrats passed through Congress without a single Republican vote. Well, I think what, what Dan add. is getting at is that Republicans have had plenty of time to think about what the 
alternative is supposed yeah. to be. And now they have their opportunity and they don't have a plan. That's 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 fair. But to say that that the premium increases under the current policy are the fault of Republicans. Oh, no. Um, you know, at the very least, it's not. Enti- I guess you could blame Republicans insofar as they weren't ready to repeal and replace like they campaigned on. That's on them. But as far as the actual policy itself, that's on Democrats. This is what they passed. This is what this is what President Obama passed. This is what he said would save us money. This is what he said would allow us to keep our existing insurance plans. That's on them. That's on them. Republicans have blame for not being ready uh, when they got power to be able to do something about this and have a plan in place. That's absolutely 100% on them. But Democrats are responsible for the existing policy. There's just there's just no question about it. They passed it. No Republicans voted for it. It is what it is now. And so and 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 also, I mean, let's let's not let's not. I mean, Republicans have tried to push plans through now. And Democrats aren't voting for them, meaning that Democrats are essentially voting to keep the status quo at this point. And the status quo is going to mean premium hikes. Who gets blamed for that? I say blame all of them. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'm Rob Port. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. And, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.